Welcome to Episode 2 Bond. On this episode, Johnny ties last week's war movie segment to the D-Day anniversary. We discuss James Bond actors and which ones we like the best, and we look at Dark Phoenix and others that have opened at the box office today. We invite you to grab some popcorn and your favorite beverage, take a seat, and put up your feet, because we're talking movies. Welcome back. This is Johnny Popcorn. And this is Eddie Klieg. And we're talking movies. Yeah, I'm going to follow up on what we started with a little bit last week. We're, we're not going to belabor the point. I talked a little bit about war movies. And as I said in my introduction to our premiere episode last week, that uh, we would be doing things that were somewhat topical, men in the film industry. But there are certain events that happen that we need to pay attention to. As all of you know, last time it, we were talking Memorial Day week, and uh, as we're recording this, D-Day has been celebrated, the 75th anniversary of the storming of the beaches at Normandy. So to that end, I thought we should recognize it and mention a couple of movies related to it, uh, because I was a local newspaper brought up the point that a lot of people are not learning about history. And we kind of alluded last week that movies provide a way to learn various things. Sometimes they stretch the truth, but at least it's something to get people to think about and maybe to pursue on their own additionally. The same with the, the D-Day adventure. Steven Spielberg, of course, as we mentioned last week, was saving Private Ryan, brought that home, and... Uh, made a big impact on people who were unaware or not, particularly younger generation, to see the consequences of that event. The initial film that brought that to, to bear in the minds of most Americans was a film called The Longest Day, which literally had, as many of you know, had literally every actor from A to Z, and I'm talking Eddie Albert all the way to John Wayne. Um, but it's a still a worthwhile movie and a little side trip one of the ways you keep reminded of history is those people that participated. My father, as I said, was in World War II in the Air Corps, a B-17. When I was a teenager, that movie came out, and he gathered all of us together, and he said, we're going to go to the movies. I want you to see something. And that movie came out in 1962. It was only 18 years after D-Day. So it was pretty, really, relatively uh, fresh in the minds of many Americans. Anyway... That is a way that I got started on having an appreciation for history and all the war movies. And a couple of other things, we talked about movies that are books that are made into movies, and that relates also to war movies. I'm going to throw out four that movies. One is Battle Cry, which was based on a book by Leon Urs, who has written many other great books. I'm not going to go into that today. The Young Lions by Erwin Shaw. The Naked and the Dead by Norman Mailer, which is really what made him famous, if you're familiar with any of Mailer's work. And of course, From Here to Eternity was dealt with Pearl Harbor, and that was by James Jones. So all four of those movies are well worth pursuing if you want to know a little bit more about um, aspects of World War II. And finally, even though we said well, this is about movies, some of these things do cross over. One other great book that came out relating to World War II was by Herman Woke, who recently died. 
of the Winds of War, and he followed it up with the War War in Remembrance, and that was made into those two books were made into a mini series that many of you may have seen a few years ago on TV. And for those of you who wanted to pursue them, they're available on streaming services. That ends my little discussion about the the war movies, follow-up from last week, and the event, the celebration, or commemoration, we should say, of the bravery that was exhibited by those who stormed the Normandy beaches, and this, the 75th anniversary of that event. So we move on, and Eddie, uh, where are we going to go today? Well, I was reading a, a story this morning, um, People Magazine, but via Yahoo Entertainment. Um, it actually was dated on the 5th when I read it this morning. I was talking about the James Bond curse. Just the, the James Bond 25, which is what they're filming right now, has had a couple things happen to it. We're talking a new, the upcoming Daniel Craig movie, obviously. Right. <laughs> Daniel Craig, uh, he suffered an ankle in- injury a while back. Oops. Uh, their director left three months before they were going to start filming. What happened recently is they had a controlled explosion that was supposed to happen. kind of went the wrong way, and it damaged the exterior of the stage, and a crew member who was outside of the stage area was injured. Just uh, It started making me think about James Bond, because I know they're filming James Bond 25 right now. I was thinking about how Daniel Craig, after the last one, said he would rather slit his wrists than do James Bond again. So <laughs> I thought maybe that'd be a good topic to discuss. Well, it kind of like, sounds like he couldn't have sta- couldn't stand a little fame, I guess. And I know it's a tough, there's a lot of expectations. It's also tough, a very demanding, demanding roles, and there's a lot of physicality. I mean, if you remember some of the sequences, not all of it's done by stuntmen. I mean, Tom Cruise is famous for... Uh, trying to kill himself in about every movie he does recently. So where do we want to go? I mean, everything goes back, of course, to Mr. Sean Connery, who first put Bond to the screen. It did make him world famous. Oh, exactly. That's why you bring that up, because on Hulu, they have a a documentary, I guess they call it, um, of George Lansbury. And he is the one who played James Bond after Sean Connery um, had stopped there for a little while. Sean Connery played from, what, 62 to 67, something like that. Yeah, and then he came back and he did uh, one film. He did his last, which Diamonds Forever. Where if, you want to, and if you want to see a little historical view of Las Vegas before it looks like now, watch that film because it's pretty sparse compared to all the, the buildings that's over there. <laughs> Then he came back and did one on his own. Uh, what was that thing? Uh, Never Say Never Again, I guess it was. What's weird about George Lansbury? Lazenby. 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 Yeah. It's, Sorry about that. Supposedly, he was really good in the movie. I haven't seen it. I know that uh, you've seen it and had said that it was actually, it came from a, a different point of view than what we're used to with James Bond movies. And he did it once. He was had a nomination for a Golden Globe for his performance. And afterwards, he was approached by the producers and said that if he would sign a contract for six movies, that they'd give him a million dollars. A million dollars back in 1969 is like seven million today. Mm-hmm. But it, it's funny because he was young. He's 29. He was the youngest Bond ever. 
He said the reason that he declined the million dollars was because the producers made him feel like he was mindless. They disregarded everything that he had suggested in the scripts, stuff like that. And he said he'd much, he'd much prefer being a car salesman to a stereotype James Bond. Pretty bold talk for a guy that only made one movie. <laughs> oh, exactly. And before that, he didn't even make any movies. He was a yeah. model and uh, yeah. did some commercials. He does say now he, he regrets it. <laughs> they could have called me, but unfortunately I wasn't on the radio. Well, that's pretty amazing. I, I think I did see him on a British show with, with Dusty Springfield one time, the old actor. I think he did admit that it wasn't maybe the brightest decision he made. <laughs> I think that goes without saying. To your point about the movie, the thing I always liked about the movie, it's one of those times where it, uh, because it dealt with the fact that he got married Bond got married, and then unfortunately his, well, it's an old movie, I don't want to have any spoilers here, but dealing with the loss of his wife, and uh, so there was a little more humanity, shall we say, for the character brought in, rather than just dealing with a bunch of thugs or international terrorists or the, the Blofelds of the world, and I liked it, and of course his wife was played by Diana Rigg, who was a a terrific actress, and she was perfect for that role because she was in kind of in her early prime there coming off of a TV series that she had done called The Avengers, which you can still catch. Uh, it still holds up pretty well. On some of the production values are, you know, 1960s, but she was pretty good with her cohort. My, myself, I'm not really familiar with too many of the Sean Connery or most of the Roger Moores. I mean... The, I was around in the 80s well, watching movies, so I'm pretty sure I saw a few of uh, Roger Moore's. But memory-wise, I remember back really to my first uh, Bond movies would be with Timothy Dalton. He was in for two years. And other than George, he had the least amount. Pierce Bronson was after that. I remember that. That was pretty cool. And then, of course, Daniel Craig now, which is a totally different take, which I love. I mean, in my opinion, he's... Daniel Craig's one of the best Bonds there is, but again, I can't put it in the context of Sean Connery because I didn't watch many of those. Well, now that your daughters are getting older and you don't have to watch as many Disney films, you can go back, and the beauty of this is you can go back and watch those those old ones. As my wife says, why are you watching that thing again? Well, you know, there's some things you just like to watch over and over again. Yeah, I've got my favorites, and I know if anybody, those of you out there listening, uh, and we've talked last week, uh, we're just getting this thing started, but your commentary, and of course, Bond movies, like any other genre, is going to have uh, fans, one side, this side, favorite, I don't like that guy, I don't like that movie, blah, blah, blah. blah. But Connery, of course, is the gold standard, no joke intended, since it was in Goldfinger, which is my favorite. Sean Connery film, although I think is the one he made, I like Diamonds Are Forever, but the one he made, he kind of a rogue when he kind of came out and made a counterproduction. He would, he invested his own money, as I recall, and we hadn't researched this, but that Never Say Never Again in 1983 turned out to be a pretty good film. But uh, Goldfinger, he's a gold standard, as I said. I like the Lazenby film, and for those of you who are old Telly Savalas fans, uh, he was the bad guy in that. Roger Moore, the problem with the Roger Moore movies, I felt, they became more of a, well, a little cartoonish. The first ones, 
I thought were really pretty good. The Spy Who Loved Me was pretty decent. And then as they went on the scripting, he started playing a little more tongue in cheek. And they moved away from the license to kill, which is what, when you go back and you look at the early Bond Connery, true to the Ian Fleming books, he did kill people. <laughs> In fact, the opening sequence of several of them, there's a there's a murder, and it, it's the way it goes. And when he got to buy, uh, more, yeah, they were shooting people, but it still seemed more not as serious. Dalton, I felt, and I'll do a little diatribe here. Uh, Dalton, I felt, bought that that darkness back to it, but. Apparently, there was this large gap. They were actually, I think, debating whether they were going to continue with the Bond series. You know, they didn't know which way to go. And he, he bailed out after a couple. And then they brought Brosnan in because he was popular off of TV. He looked the part, looks great in it. And he's got a couple of films that I thought were pretty good. But I'm with you. Uh, I like Craig because they brought that edginess back. He's rough enough and he's not as shall we say, as handsome as a guy like Brosnan or even a Sean Connery. But he does have that edge, that grit that you believe that he's out there serving the the flag and M to the nth degree and defending uh, the, the country of the United Kingdom. So you have a favorite. You, you like uh, Craig's interpretation. Do you have a favorite Craig movie? My favorite is Spectre. Ah, the most which was the last one. Last one. Yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty pretty good. The opening scene when they're in Mexico during the Day of the Dead or yes. whatever, they're all yep. skeletons on and all that kind of stuff, and the buildings start falling down around them. It, it, it's pretty funny. And then it kind of, what's weird about there being a Bond 25 that they're filming now is the Spectra, Spectre just seemed like it took all of Daniel Craig's Bond movies and kind of connected them all together. Um, and I like that. So, and I know yours is not Spectre. Yours is uh, of the ones. Well, I like Casino Royale because I, I like Ava Green, and I, I like the fact that they were again coming, bringing back an edginess in the character, and he got romantically involved and had some reason to kind of fight for something other than just the flag. But my favorite of those is Skyfall, and. The reason I like, I thought Javier Bardem, and he is, for any of you out there, I mean, he's, he can be twitchy, and he's really twitchy as the bad guy in this. And if you saw No Country for Old Men, where he's the killer, that is a brutal film. I can't, I, I really couldn't watch it all the way through. It's based, again, on a book. But Skyfall, they went back, and we started to bring in, again, the backstory for Bond. And... One thing Eddie and I have liked about some of the movies that we tend to see, and we talked about Keanu Reeves, and we'll visit John Wick another time, is that the the character matters. And the stories are great. The story, though, can be carried if you care about the character, even if he is maybe even doing bad things. But you have to have an understanding of the character, which is why I like Skyfall. And uh, when he goes back... Home, which has a lot of haunting memories. I always hated when he's blowing it up. He says, oh, "I hated this place." Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought uh, Bardem is uh, was terrific, and Judy Dench when she took over the role of M, uh, she has done a terrific job. And of course, they 
have moved on now with, uh, help me out. We're going to go to uh, the Wayback Machine here, although we're not going to go that far back. We're going to just, uh... come on, Ralph. Fine. Rafe Fines, Rafe Fines, Rafe. Yeah, he drops the R. Yeah, it, it's all funny. He fell like Ralph, and he pronounced it right. But Rafe Fines, yes, the English patient, and he's made a few other movies. Sunshine or uh, Voldemort for those of oh, Harry yes. Potter. Yes, they will know him as I think I alluded to this last time, folks. I'm a little longer. You know, I've been around a while, and I I can see the faces, but sometimes the names just don't come immediately, and uh, that's the fun of doing this because when you were, we're pulling this out of uh, out of the old memory bank and reliving some of these things. So what else can we say? I mean, we could say a lot. Uh, the plot points. Uh, I would suggest if you have to go back because Doctor No was the first Connery film. Uh, it's okay by my standpoint. Russia with Love. Most people say that that may be the best of his. I don't agree with it. It's a pretty good thriller because. Robert Shaw is the bad guy, and he was a very good English actor. Died far too young. But Goldfinger kind of has it all, the real essence of uh, what I think of when I think of Sean Connery. Gert Frobe, he plays the bad guy in that. He also has a bit part in Longest Day, by the way. If you pick him up, it's a very bit part. Anyway, and one of, the, one of the great lines from Goldfinger, you expect me to talk when they're using, the, they're threatening him to, to lay, basically slice him in half with a laser. And he says, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And great line. We could go through trying to pitch out and remember lines from, from these movies because those are the things that really resonate with the fans. And when you watch these over and over again, you start mouthing the dialogue, and those of you out there who do that know exactly what we're talking about. So, so, so Johnny, can you name all of the Bond movies? Well, I probably, if I went back and tried to, I don't know about order of sequence. I have trouble. The, the early ones I do, it's some of the ones I faded out because I know, I don't know what sequence they were in, particularly the Brosnan films, I've seen them. And uh, let me backtrack here. I just generally, and, and Eddie knows this, when I watch a movie, generally I can, after I've seen it, I can kind of recall almost scene by scene. So when I'm explaining it to somebody, I see the movie again. But I just watched a Tom Cruise movie again, which Eddie and I went to see at the theater. It was the second Jack Reacher movie. Jack Reacher never go back. And I rewatched it, and as I told Eddie the other day, it was like I had never seen the film because I could not recall it like I could the first Jack Reacher, which I know basically scene by scene. So some of these Bond movies are the same thing. I can go back through Goldfinger, see it. I can see Thunderball. I can see You Only Live Twice, Diamond or Forever. Lazenby's film, I remember much of that, and particularly the mu music because those of you fans out there, if you like, if you heard me last week, I'm big on music composers, and John Barry is one of my favorite, and he did most of these films, particularly the early ones. Now, unfortunately, John died a few years ago, but the the themes and a lot of these, the theme songs, you'll find are fairly romantic in some cases, particularly uh, the one from Octopussy, which is a, a terrific song, but he did those 
So have an appreciation, and it adds to these movies. And in some cases, maybe the music is a little better than, than the script in a couple of cases. But Bond has always had good production values, and they've always been able to get decent scripts for the most part. Uh, but I think uh, they they faltered. But as I said, Dr. No, you got Russia with Love, you got Goldfinger, you got Thunderball, you only live twice. And then, of course, Diamonds Forever. And one of the reasons that I really like uh, Diamonds Forever is uh, Jill St. John is in that film. And she later played Robert, well, she's married to Robert Wagner. And she uh, played with him and Robert Wagner in a couple of other films. But she is uh, in in that, and I've always liked her. She was very in in her prime, and that she was terrific in that. Majesty's Secret Service, Lazenby, and then we we went to Roger Moore, Spy Who Loved Me, For Your Eyes Only. Those those are my two favorite Moore films. Uh, Man with a Golden Gun. The only thing I liked about Man with a Golden Gun, Christopher Lee was starting to become uh, known beyond the Dracula roles. And he has since gone on. That was, what, 19, I think, uh, Man with the Golden Gun was 1974, if I recall, just off the top of my head. I'll just make one last comment here uh, about View to a Kill before we move on, Ed. Uh, I didn't really like the movie, except I was living in San Francisco at that time when they, they uh, filmed it. And Grace Jones and Christopher Walken are the, the bad guys, so to speak. And uh, there's a climactic battle takes place on the Golden Gate Bridge. So that's an iconic structure, of course, which set the tone for the film. He was actually, if you, if you remember, Walken was trying to create some kind of earthquake that's going to split the Silicon Valley. And I don't even remember why, but the film wasn't that great, but it was significant because I was there when they were filming it. So anyway, all right, what do we got next? Let's touch on some of the movies that have opened in theaters Today, today we have uh, Dark Phoenix, Late Night with Emma Thompson, Secret Light of Pets. Um, Dark Phoenix is one that I, I want to see. I mentioned last week on how the first couple trailers didn't really make me want to go see the movie, but the last one did. The, the premise, it's a good one. I mean, it's, it's one that people have wanted for a while, the Dark Phoenix where Jean Grey turns into the Dark Phoenix. Jean Grey is played by Sophie Turner, who is in Game of Thorns. I believe so. And uh, also is now Mrs. Joe Jonas. She, they got married, uh, actually, last month. It was a big budget film. A lot of CGI's in this thing. $200 million worth. Mm. So uh, hopefully it, it makes it back. I've got to think this is the last X-Men movie with the current current group of actors and all that stuff because now that Disney owns the Fox properties I'm sure within the next few years X-Men will be rolled into the Marvel Universe and fight side by side with all the guys that we've already seen in the other uh, Marvel movies. It's pretty interesting watching the trailer and how powerful this character is. She can do anything. There's, there's one scene where um, Magneto, who has to have this metal thing on his mm -hmm. head, and he can bend steel and, you know, Crush take things. an airplane and turn, turn it into a ball and throw it type of stuff. And uh, he's floating there telling Jean, you know, you got to stop or something to that effect. And she, like, just flicks her eye, and his, 
his helmet comes off and he's I mean it kind of blows him away. It's pretty it's pretty amazing. And then the the instigator of the whole thing is this alien blonde, which is played by Jessica Chastain. It, it just it looks like a good movie. I definitely want to see it. Try to talk my younger daughter into going with me. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I saw the review. It, it gave it uh, pretty good pretty good marks. As I said last week, Eddie's kind of the go-to guy here on the, the DC, Marvel Universe, Avengers, and uh, all those guys. So... Uh, I watch them, but I'm not as adept at the, the knowledge as, as Eddie. Go ahead. What else we got? The second one was Late Night uh, with Emma Thompson. We kind of touched Touch on it last week. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned how she was a stand-up comedian there for a little while. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to say anything. No, I think it has promise. Uh, she liked the script. She likes working with the, the actress that she wrote it. So... And, and as I said last week, she has a sense of timing that comes through in anything she does, whether it's a comedy or even drama. I mean, I, there's just a certain energy, that, uh, and I've always liked Emma. So I think that's one that would be interesting to see. And then the other one, um, there, there was a handful that came out today, but these are the ones that I actually know of. Mm-hmm. The third one is the Secret Life of Pet, Secret Life of Pets, number two. I didn't see the first one, so I deferred to my daughter and my wife. So here's the quote from my daughter. I hate that movie. And here's a quote from my wife. I fell asleep. So that's all I had to go on. If you disagree, please go to the website and send us some comments and I'll pass them along and to my wife and my daughter and maybe <laughs> we'll convince them to go see the second one. So that's it for opening theaters. Next thing is there's a couple trailers that have been released this week that definitely are, are in our movie-going uh, wheelhouse uh, when, when Johnny and I go up and have a movie night. First one is A.D. Astra, or Ad Astra, one of the two. I think it's A.D. Astra. This one kind of came out of nowhere. Didn't even know it was being produced. Just came out of nowhere. Uh, has Brad Pitt in it. Tommy Lee Jones plays his father. Donald Sutherland's in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple other big names. Uh, Liv Taylor. It uh, is an outer space type of thing. Brad Pitt's an astronaut, and he has an accident up there. It's kind of odd. He's kind of, hopefully in the movie they'll explain it, of course, but in the trailer he's floating down. He falls, falls off the space station, and he's falling down. The next thing you know, he's in the hospital. But he's... Uh, He's tasked to go on this mission to possibly find his father, confront his father. The trailer uh, gives a lot of information. I, I would go see the trailer. I recommend you guys go to either appletrailers.com or wherever you see your trailers at. The other two, Ford vs. Ferrari and Rambo. I don't know if you wanted to touch on any either of those. Well, Ford and Ferrari, the one thing that's interesting, this is back in the early, uh, it looks like the 70s, where Ford has decided they're going to create a racing team to counter Ferrari's uh, dominance in the area. And, of course, they don't have the car to do it. And Matt Damon convinces Ford, along with, and he's inspired, I guess, by Lee Iacocca at that time, to get a top racing driver. That's Christian Bale. And it looks pretty cool. It's going to be pretty exciting. And uh, Bale is a pretty forceful, and uh, sometimes it looks like maybe a reckless driver. So that has some excitement. The Rambo film, which I wasn't, here's Stallone again. He's milked the, uh, and I like Stallone. This is not a criticism of Stallone. 
what he's able to recreate with uh, the same genre and the same character, Rocky Balboa. But he's doing the same thing now with the Rambo character. The first one, of course, was First Blood, and this one's called Last Blood. And it takes place not in some foreign country. He's on farmland and apparently a farmer who's being challenged by what it looked like, a bunch of uh, mercenaries. It looked like somebody, for, he said it's out of his past. They've come after him. And, well, there's going to be lots of explosions and lots of shootings and lots of stabbings and uh, other ways to dispatch these people. So it's going to be a buckle your seatbelt kind of thing uh, from looking at the intensity of the trailer. So I think... We'll probably have to take a look at that one. Yeah, that, you'll, you'll find this interesting. I, I just I was looking on the Wayback Machine here, and I just saw something that popped out. This is a trivia question. This is trivia regarding the Rambo Last Blood. The plot of the movie was intended for Rambo 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay. But here's the final. This one is the one that piqued my interest. It was also partially used for Homefront 2013 with Jason Statham. I saw uh, that film. So I thought that. Did you see yeah. that one, Eddie? Did you see I it? did not. That's yeah. on my list of uh, catch up movies no. that I need to do. We must say that Jason Statham, I mean, with the transporter films and uh, the mechanic sequence, you know, the two mechanic films and so on, we're, we're kind of big on Statham, too. And we got the Hobbs and Shaw film coming up with The Rock. So that's going to be, be fun, fun later in the summer. That'll be a future yeah. future episode. So where are we where look what's the clock on the wall telling us, Eddie? I think we're we're done for today. Should I give him a question? Have we got time to throw that one out there to the folks? Or are we gonna cut it off and do it next time? No, go ahead if you want to. I'm gonna throw a trivia out there. This is gonna be some of the older older moviegoers, or depending on how adept you are at the older films. Here's the question. What was the name of the character actor, and not the character in the movie, but the, the actor's name, who was shot down outside the saloon, and it was in the mud. He was shot by the gunslinger Jack Wilson, which was who was played by Jack Palance, in the movie Shane. There is a, if you don't get it, I'll give you a teaser tip next time. So that's about it. Yeah, go to our website and leave a comment in episode two. And give your answers, and we'll see we'll see how it goes. You want um, to give them the website again? so that Yeah, definitely. So if you could visit our website online for any kind of comments that you want to give, even topic ideas, that sort of thing, visit us at www.wertalkingmovies.com, W-E-R-E-T-A-L-K-I-N-G-M-O-V-I-E.com. And if you would, please, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, will officially be up on the uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and also Google Play. But if you would please do us a favor and subscribe to one or both of those, we would be of great uh, appreciation and leave a review. Hopefully, um, again, like last week, if we're working out the bugs as we, we do this. Hopefully this episode is better than the last episode that we're building. Yeah, that's about it. Please, please subscribe. Well, I guess we're going to say so long from We're Talking Movies and this I'm Johnny Popcorn. And I'm Eddie Clegg. And until next time, see you. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Please clear the set.